Hi, I'm Natalie. And I'm Christina. We're two best friend registered dietitians living their best lives in the beach cities of Los Angeles, California. We're here to serve you with evidence-based knowledge, a little storytelling, and a whole lot of laughs. And, and this, this is, is the Crunchy Dietitians Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to episode number two. Oh my gosh. Episode number two. Here we are. I can't believe we're here already. Two weeks later. Thank you guys for tuning in. We did it. I'm so proud of us. This is actually a lot of work, you guys. For anybody listening who's like, oh, I want to start a podcast. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it is. It's fun, but it's also it a lot fun. of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work, especially if you're talking about nutrition like we are, particularly yes. the keto diet like we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So boom, that is our topic. I think we kind of dropped a few hints here and there throughout the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I know I had some people asking, like, will you give me a little hint as to what the topic's going to mm -hmm. be? So um, we did make a post about fat. So mm -hmm. yep, it's the keto diet. We're going to be talking about what it is, you know, does it work and for what and yada, yada, all the things that y'all want to know. Right. Um, so yeah, I think with that, we'll just kind of jump right in. Yes, that sounds good. So first, we kind of just want to cover what is the keto diet? Where did it come from? Keto? What is even keto? Well, keto stands for ketosis. Um, originally, the keto diet started in about the 1920s, and it was originally used for children with epilepsy. But once epileptic drugs or non-epileptic non-epileptic drugs came out, <laughs> I can't, this happens every episode. Epileptic. What was the last one? Hierarchy. 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 <laughs> Anyways, non-epileptic drugs came out then they started kind of using those. So um, we didn't really need to do the keto diet anymore. But now obviously people are using it for weight loss and there's a lot of new research coming out on the efficacy of it being used for weight loss along with a lot of other things. So yeah, it's kind of exciting. So it sounds like it did have its place in terms of treatment for things going on with the brain, right? right. So like epilepsy, other like neurodegenerative exactly. degenerative type um, of conditions right. is what it was used for. So it was Alzheimer's. very clinical. Yeah, it was very clinical. And, um, and I don't, I don't know, to me, that kind of makes sense, I guess, a little bit, because if you think about the importance of fat and brain function, like right. the myelin sheath and all of that, right. I'm like, I have no idea if that even has anything to do with it, because I haven't looked on the research on that. But just right. intuitively thinking about it, right. I'm like, oh, that kind of makes a little bit of sense, at least it's not totally out from left field. Right. And some of the research is showing that some of these um, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and multiple sclerosis, um, there's some issues with glucose metabolism in the brain. So it's interesting that the ketone bodies, which we'll talk about in a second, what is that and all of that good stuff, um, that they actually function a little bit more optimally. So that's kind of interesting to note as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. I think that the keto diet, the topic of the keto diet is one that is extremely interesting. And when I was doing some research for this episode on it, um, some of the newer stuff that's come out is also like really interesting. A lot of the outcomes that they measure, they're not all negative, you know, like I feel like right. I kind of had this like, you know, typical dietitian perspective on it where it's like, okay, yeah. Why on God's earth what i tell somebody i love to carbs eat. <laughs> yeah <That's> why. <laughs> why, why would i tell somebody to eat like you know 80 percent fat and why would i tell them to right. cut out carbohydrates and it's like okay well i guess there are implications for this but it still is very clinically relevant like absolutely weight loss sure you can achieve weight loss with keto right but 
you can achieve weight loss with a lot of other dietary patterns. So, exactly. Um, so yeah, but that we'll get into more of that I think, right. um, in a bit. We just kind of want to start with what is it? Like, where did it come from? Right. So it's been around for a while. It 1920s, has been around since the I 1920s, mean, that's which is a good crazy. amount of time. Right. Exactly. And then since then, I think really low carbs started getting kind of popular in the seventies when Atkins came around um, and that was low carb, but it's not really looking at certain, you know, proportions of protein or fats, whereas the ketogenic diet is. So ketogenic diet is very, very high fat very, very low carb. So chances are, if you think you're doing very low carb, you aren't like, it has to be extremely low carb. Right. When you're doing it in the hospital in in a clinical setting where you're actually doing it with epileptic, epileptic children, (laughs) you literally are like weighing your tomatoes like gram by gram, because you're consuming a very, very small amount of carbohydrates in order to get those ketone bodies going. So Right. That's a really important part of it is actually getting the body into ketosis. So traditionally, the ketogenic diet is a four to one ratio of lipid to non-lipid macros, right? So like lipid being fats. So that's about 80% or more of your total daily energy intake coming from fat specifically. Usually the protein is about 15% and that only leaves 5% of your total energy intake coming from carbohydrates. You guys, that is an extremely small amount. I think a lot of you don't even fathom what that even means. So what does that mean, Christina? What is 5% of your calories? It can be about five to 10% of total daily calories. And obviously that's going to vary from person to person. That depends on, you know, and when, if you actually are going into ketosis, depends on your BMI and your metabolism and so many other things, but you have to look at your total daily caloric intake. So say I'm eating like 2000 calories a day, then you have to measure what is less than 10% of that. And that's the amount that's coming from your carbohydrates. So right. So less than was, 200 calories if it was, a, 200, if it was a 2000 calorie Which example. is insane, you guys. So 20 to 50 grams generally would be the amount of carbohydrates that you would be consuming per day. Um, and just to, you know, go on the higher side of things, 45 grams of carbohydrate looks like one cup of pasta. So that that's nothing, for the whole guys. day, the whole day, so, the whole day. And, and a then, cup is really not that. Look at your fist right now. Make right. a fist and look down at it. That's about a cup. If you have a smaller size fist, that's about a cup. Yeah. If you have a larger size fist, that's probably about a cup and a half, but that's not very much. Um, and if you're looking at 20 grams a day, that's more like a third of a cup of pasta. So cut your fist into thirds. <laughs> so yeah, that's, not a, that's yeah. not a lot of carb. Yeah. Have fun with that. Have fun so, with your four pieces of pasta. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, a lot of people do want to try it. Um, and the research does show that it can help with weight loss. So um, that's pretty interesting. I think a lot of people that have tried it out there can attest to that. But we're going to talk about a little bit of the research when it comes to how long the weight loss is sustained. Um, and then a lot of the research is done also in obese or overweight patients, diabetic patients. So there's a lot of things to look at here. Yeah, those those are important things to consider. If you're somebody listening who um, is a little bit more well-versed in research and you actually look at primary research on your own, maybe you're an RD, maybe you're a student of some kind or you have some kind of scientific background, those are things you you know, obviously want to keep in mind is looking at the population that they're using, because that's how we're going to know if there's any external validity, right? So meaning that, okay, they did this study in this specific population. Does that mean that it's valid for myself? Does that mean that it's valid for my patients? Does that mean that it's valid for my family? For the general Um, population? Possibly not. If they're looking at obese diabetic patients, right? Like that's a very specific population. Not only are they obese, but they also have diabetes, right? Right. So that's not going to be you can't make blanket statements about results from that study, but the results are nonetheless still very interesting 
um, and intriguing. And there is a lot of there are a lot of positive outcomes that do come from that specific population um, with the ketogenic diet. So um, I think maybe we could talk about how, like what's going on when someone is eating keto. Right. I think that's a good idea. In the body, you know, like physiologically what's happening. Right. So how does that work? So basically when you're going into ketosis, you want to starve the body of carbohydrates, which sounds really weird when you're saying that out loud, but you basically do want to do that. That's literally Um, what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. You store glucose in the form of glycogen in your liver and muscles. And after about three to four days when that's been used up, um, your body is going to start turning to fat. So the liver will start using fat to um, create ketone bodies that can be then used for energy. So the brain, for instance, does not store energy. So uh, the brain actually requires the most carbohydrate. So about 120 to 130 grams of carbohydrate per day. So on average, most Americans are consuming about 200 to 350 grams of carbohydrates per day. So that's a really big chunk of our you know, daily carbohydrate intake. So if we're not getting that from our food and the brain's not storing it, We definitely need to get it from somewhere else. So that's where the fats come in and we start creating those ketone bodies and they actually work really efficiently in the body. Um, They're really a great source of energy. So yeah, it's fascinating what the body will do actually. Yeah, it is. And um, they can act um, the most common ketone body, the, I think beta hydroxy, beta hydroxy, yeah, beta hydroxy butyrate, that ketone body. I think that one specifically is the one that is looked at the most in the research that has a lot of you know, potentially is associated with some of these positive outcomes. Um, and for weight loss, I think one of them is the suppressed appetite. Is it all ketone right. bodies or specifically that one? I think it's all ketone yeah. bodies. So there is that suppressed appetite, which is right. one thing that is happening with the weight loss there. So right. and um, fats are very satiating. Mm-hmm. Fats keep you really nice and full and they de- delay gastric emptying. So that's going to be a contributing factor as well. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing too is that you're, you're still ha- you still have to be in a caloric deficit of some kind. It's not like you're just eating, you know, 2,400 calories a day when your right. needs are, you know, 2,400 calories a day of, you know, 80% fat. You're, Which is so- you're still cutting your calories down. Exactly. Um, you have and to. Like, that's why that's it's working it because right? you have to be in a caloric deficit. It comes down to energy balance when actually you're looking at weight loss, if that's your goal. Um, yeah. And I don't want to reduce it to just that because there are many other, other things. Well, there are many, there are many other benefits, but there's many other things also that go into weight loss. Like, I don't want to just redu- reduce weight loss to calories and calories out. Right. Right. Like the whole 3,500 calories is a pound of fat. And if you just right. cut, your, you know, cut yeah. 500 it's, calories a day, you're going to lose a pound of fat. It's very things are noisy and it's not that cut and dry and black and white. It's not a one size fits all for every single person. For some people, it is that easy. They right. cut their calories, they move their body a little bit, they lose weight super quick right. and easily. But at the end of the day, that's what it has to be for you to lose weight. So, right. and it doesn't have to be keto. At the end it of the day, have right? it doesn't have to be keto. But if fat. that's something that you want to try, then we're going to give you the research on it or just a little taste of it. A little taste, a little taste. We're going to try to keep this. <laughs> we gave ourselves a little <laughs> challenge today. I'm just going to be super transparent with y'all. Um, we're trying to keep this episode under 30 minutes, so we'll see. You guys, the struggle is real because, as you know, <laughs> we can talk. Us gals can chat. So we're already at like almost 11 minutes now, and we haven't even dove in really. So yes. we'll see, but we're going to try. <laughs> I would love to have an episode where we talk about like individual studies and we go into detail on them, but we just don't have time for that. So 
I think what we're actually going to end up doing is asking you guys for specific questions and making up a, making a follow-up episode where we do answer those specific questions. But today we're keeping it as short and sweet as we can. And we're just kind of giving you a general overview of what is keto, how does it work? And like, what does the general research say? Right. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing. And I think that so far it's been interesting. I mean, like I said, when I was looking at this stuff, just the past couple of days, I was actually surprised. I thought I was going to go and find a bunch of stuff that kind of like proved my bias and my bias. I mean, obviously I'm not for keto. I'm not, I think I I try to keep a neutral perspective on everything. Of course that's like professionally, everybody needs to do that. But I think that just personally, I would never recommend somebody to eat the ketogenic diet for weight loss when there are so many other ways of eating that can still, you know, result in weight loss. So, you know, my, for for me, it's always the the number one question is like, is it going to be sustainable for you? If someone comes to me and they're like, I want to lose weight, like, should I go on keto? It's like, well, are you going to eat that way when you're 85? Like that's like kind of like the golden question, right? Like, are you going to continue doing that for the rest of your life basically? Right. And the answer is probably going to be no for everybody. I mean, I don't think I could do it, to be honest. If you can, which it's not actually clinically recommended to do it for more than like six months to a year. So if you do, I would probably... And who the hell wants to give up carbohydrates for more than even... Uh, I I don't want to give... Girl, I don't even want to give carbs up for a day. Literally for a day. No, I I love them. I get cranky. I get irritable. I, and it's like, well, oh, I just haven't had any carbs today. Like, hello. (laughs) And also I think that's so interesting because that's kind of one of the things that people mention when they start the keto diet is they get, you know, a couple weeks in, they might start getting the keto flu and they Mm -hmm. get like dizziness and nausea and they um, get a little bit irritable and stuff. And I also find it really interesting that those are also symptoms of hypoglycemia, which means that your body is not receiving enough carbohydrates as an energy source, which it literally is not (laughs) in those circumstances, but people do actually get over the keto flu. It's usually not like permanent. Like after that couple week mark, you do kind of get over the hump. You will get over the hump and helping with a little bit of fluids and electrolytes can help as well because when you're not having as much carbohydrate, you're losing more fluids. So you need to make sure that you're supplementing with excess water, not excess, but adequate water. So that can help a little bit too. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I think that the ketogenic diet can be followed in a way that is not going to be detrimental to your health. And like, if you're looking for weight loss and you really want to try keto, you know, I, I think both of us would say like, it can be done, right? It's just, it's not going to, you're not going to be on it forever. I don't think that's the, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be on it forever. I don't think that's necessarily the goal of it, which is why I wouldn't start somebody on it because Personally, I would only want to start somebody on something that you're going to make a permanent habit in their life. Right. But if that's something that is just, you're just dying to try it and you just got to know if it works for you, for you, you can do it, but find a dietitian who right. has experience or work with an MD who has I experience or something. It's very exciting to play around with your diet too. So people hear about these new diets like intermittent fasting. I mean, we've gotten some questions from you guys on intermittent fasting, keto, vegan, vegetarianism. And I mean one is not better than the other. You know what I mean? They're all just different ways to kind of play around with your diet, see what works for you, see what fits your lifestyle best, see what's the most sustainable for you. And what, you know, when you go to your doctor and you're getting your lab work back, you can actually see how things have been changing over time. Like is, you know, is the ketogenic diet, say you are consuming like a lot of high fat meats, a lot of butter, a lot of sodium, you know, things like that. And then you do see that your LDL cholesterol has been, you know, raised from the last time when you tried going vegan maybe that's something to just consider there. You know, we don't know for sure that because there's a correlation that that's the causation of it. We don't know for sure, but maybe it's just something to consider and something to look at. And again, 
inform your physician, inform your dietitian that you are making these dietary changes because not only is it important for them to know, you know, what's going on, but there's other implications when it comes to like medication as well. So if you're someone who's on a diabetic medication or on insulin, it's really important that you let your doctor know because they might have to adjust those medications. And there's, a, you know, other medications as well that would be of concern, but definitely let your care team know. But, you know, you should feel excited about playing around with your diet. I, I encourage it, you know, um, we've both done it as well. But Again, I agree with Natalie. It, at the end of the day, you have to consider, is this something that's going to be sustainable? For instance, like I'm German. I might have mentioned that in the last podcast, but you know, growing up, I ate a high portion of carbohydrates because German people love potatoes. We love spätzle, which is like the little egg noodles. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of you know sweets and desserts and things like that. And I'm not saying that I'm going to eat that every day, but when it comes to the important parts of my life like the social and the cultural aspects and going out with friends and if I'm constantly in situations where I feel that I can't partake in something that brings me joy in a very deep way that's you know resonates with who i am as a person then it's not going to be sustainable for me so right. that's just my perspective and that's what we have to do as registered dietitians that's how we're trained is not to just hone in and look very 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 closely at the research which yes we do have to do that and that's a very important part of it um but to do that then we have to zoom out and look at it from a bird's eye view which is how is this gonna you know go for the long run for the majority of you know individuals that are doing it so right, right. just something to think about when you guys are deciding whether or not it's something that you want to do in your own life exactly a study is a very specific situation that's controlled and there's things that they're looking at right like it's this controlled environment or ideally it should right. be a fairly controlled environment right exactly. and like your life is this open system and there's many different cogs that are you know constantly turning in unison mm -hmm. and things are coming in and out all the time and you know you're not in this controlled environment like a study so we need to zoom out from the research sometimes and say okay how can this actually be applied to an individual's life or like a smaller group of people um so you know I, obviously research serves a super important place and role um but you know we can't just like read one re research paper and then make this like blanket statement headline on the news which happens all the time about things keto is the new hottest diet trend and want to lose five pounds in one week try keto you know what i mean no it's, it's more like, like want to lose 20 pounds in 11 days yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh you're gonna cut my legs off like how am I seriously though <laughs> like what's Jeez. happening does this involve a chainsaw yeah <laughs> seriously it's insane yes it so. is yeah, that's why it's important to kind of know, you know, the actual research on things. One thing I did want to um, mention that I don't think we did is like, okay, so how is how are the other low carb diets different than keto? Well, keto is not considered just low carb, but it's considered a very low carb diet. As we mentioned, it's less than 10% of your daily caloric intake coming from carbohydrates. Um, but it's also high fat and moderate protein. So the reason that the protein needs to be moderate is because when in the absence of carbohydrate, protein can be converted to glucose via gluconeogenesis. So we don't want to go too high because if you go too high with the protein, then your body is going to start taking that to create glucose and that will then take you out of ketosis. Ketosis. Whereas something like the Atkins diet, the, the protein and the fat is not really of consideration. It's just low carbohydrate. So I just wanted to make that distinction because I think 
Right. A lot of people probably aren't doing that. <laughs> They're not. And yeah. that's the whole, so the whole point of the ketogenic diet is to get your body into ketosis. ketosis. You need to be creating the ketone bodies. You're not going to be creating ketone bodies if there is glucose coming in right. from literally the food that you're eating or being made from other things in your body, like exactly. protein that you're eating or the protein from your muscles, because right. that can also happen. So right. it needs to be a certain amount of fat coming right. in because that you that's what we're, we're trying we're to utilize as energy. That's, that's the fuel source that we're trying to be, you know, processing in our metabolism and oxidizing to form those ketone bodies in the liver and then distribute throughout the body, especially the brain, because yes. it needs glucose. And if glucose is not available, it has to have ketone bodies. Exactly. Period. End of story. Exactly. So that's the whole goal, right? Getting you into ketosis, having those ketone bodies. So yes, protein needs to be regulated. Carbs, of course, need to be regulated. Very, very low uh, intake there. So yeah, good right. point. And a lot of people, like you said, are not doing that. They're like, oh, right. I'm following the keto day. You know, I eat like, you know, 50% fat. That's still a lot, girl. That's I'm going to, congratulations, honestly, round of applause to you, <laughs> but you're not in ketosis. You're not. And a lot of people will, you know, it's also interesting because like a lot of the studies, it's like, yeah, is it, are these outcomes due to the weight loss from doing this diet Ugh, or is, is it huge. due to actually being in ketosis? So there's different right studies. Some correct for that. Some don't, but, um, it's just, you know, an interesting thing to consider as well. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, there's obviously a lot of different factors when it comes to how the keto diet can impact your health. So maybe let's talk about a few of those things. Yeah, definitely. There, there is a lot. So I so, think the most obvious one is like when you're considering having a high fat diet, like how does that really impact your health at the end of the day? Because I mean, a lot of the fat has to be coming from saturated fat. And so just to give you guys a little background, saturated fat, how I, when I was a clinical dietitian would easily describe it to my patients is saturated fat is the fat that comes from animal sources, such as high fat meats or just meat in general. Um, dairy, cheese, things like that, um, with the exception of tropical oils. So palm, palm oil as well as coconut oil are also considered saturated fats. Right. It's those hard fats. I like right. to kind of explain that like think that about way to people. Like your at arteries. room temperature. Yes. Unless it's really hot as fuck out, like it is right, like it now. Is right now. Go check your coconut oil because it's for sure melted. It's probably straight liquid. Yeah. But it's a saturated fat. So right. at typical room temperature, not something when above seventy five degrees, yeah. <laughs> um, it will be solid. So saturated fats are solid. Like right? your like, chapstick. Yeah, like your chapstick. Which mine's open on the table, and that's why I said that random fact for you. But yeah. Hey, chapstick is made of saturated fat. Right. So if you think about at the end of the day, look at your arteries and consider like how I would also describe it as like consider like a hose, you know, and that saturated fat sometimes, now again, new research is showing that the saturated fat in dairy is not as bad as we once thought it was. So, right. maybe, so the source might matter. Right, exactly. It might have so, something to do with the the rest of the dairy product, we really don't know why, but we just know that there is not a negative association between the saturated fat in dairy and like outcomes that we don't want, like developing cardiovascular disease, for right. example. But in general, you can think about your arteries kind of like a hose, and you can think about that saturated fat that can turn into plaque eventually in your arteries. Um, so think of kind of like a hose and think about when it's when the water is flowing through the hose, right? It's going through, it's normal, you're spraying the garden. Things look great. But now imagine that your dad comes and like steps on the hose or something like that, right? So now that little uh, hole is kind of a little bit tighter. It's 
the pressure is coming through even faster. If you have a solute in there like sodium, say you have high blood pressure, for instance, as well, when you release that hose, it's going to go shooting through there. Now consider if some of that plaque, like that saturated fat that has turned to plaque, comes off and chips off and the hole is a lot smaller. Well, that little plaque piece can get lodged in that hole. And if it stops the oxygen flow to the brain, that's a stroke. If it stops the oxygen flow to the heart, that's a heart attack. So just to give you guys a little bit of a background on that, that's kind of why we're concerned about saturated fat in the diet, um, aside from the dairy fat now that we know. Um, and that's why it would be best to get most of your fats from unsaturated sources, which generally come from plants, again, with the exception of those tropical oils that would be saturated. Right. Yeah. 100%. That's my explanation. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the problem. That, well, it can be a problem with keto. And this is why we would recommend that you work with a dietitian or someone who is well-versed in the ketogenic diet and the different types of fat. Because obviously, you know, your options are fairly limited when it comes to higher protein options um, and the fats that those are going to naturally contain because your vegan and vegetarian protein options are going to have higher carbohydrates, right? right. So you're going to have to be choosing the animal product fat or protein options, which are going to have the saturated fat. So you want to be really mindful of this. Absolutely. And that's a really great point, Natalie, because we did get a question about that. So someone asked us, uh, what kind of protein sources would be okay then if I'm on the keto diet, since some of those protein sources, like the vegan and vegetarian ones do have a higher carbohydrate, you know, amount. So right. which, which ones would we be able to do then? Right. I would recommend obviously your leaner meats when possible, right? So your chicken breast, your lean ground Turkey, I would do lots of avocado. <laughs> Personally, I like avocado. Same. So <laughs> this is a really good excuse to eat lots of avocado, your Give me nuts the and seeds, right? Your nuts and seeds. Um, so those are going to be really your main protein sources, or I would say, you know, cause an oil from a salad dressing isn't going to give you protein, right? Absolutely. So those are just going to be your pure fats, but you're going to want to stick to your leaner meats. So we all know those as more of the white meats, right? Your fish, mm -hmm. fishes would be a great option. Lots of salmon, cod, tilapia, mahi, mahi, like literally any kind of fish really. Um, so yeah, those are going to be what you're kind of limited to. Um, I hate saying the word limited, but you're going to like, if you're doing this mindfully and in a healthy way, you are going to want to have more of a limited option for protein. Right. Well, if you are on a diet of any source, you are limiting yeah. something That's either calorically or with a macronutrient, like your protein, carbs, or fat. Right. You're um, choosing to limit yourself in some way. That's right. the whole so, point of a diet is like you are limiting your options in exactly. some way. Yeah. So I would, yeah, that's, that's a great answer. Yeah. And some of those ones that you would want to avoid would be like, you know, in smaller amounts, soybeans and nuts will have some carbohydrate. You can have some of them, especially if you're trying to be a little bit, you know, steer clear of some of those saturated fats, but things like beans and rice, those are a complete protein, but obviously those are going to have more carbohydrates. So that's, they're a that's great tough. carbohydrate choice for trying to get, get your five to 10%, but like, right. you know, you got to keep in mind that like, that's all the carbs you're going to get for the day. So if right. that's not going to make you feel satisfied or happy, then, you know, obviously choose a different carb, but that will also contribute to protein. Yes. So but too many carbs. If you wanted to do just your carbohydrate from like say beans and rice, meaning that you wouldn't be able to eat any vegetables at all, non-starchy vegetables. So that's a no. About. <laughs> yeah. Then that whole daily intake would look like about half a cup of beans and about a cup of rice. Yeah. And that's, that's another it. thing you guys, you got to keep in mind that your vegetables, which are non-negotiable in any and all diets, I would never, ever, 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 ever recommend a diet that you go on that does not have vegetables. Yeah. Like don't even ask us about carnivore. Oh guys. my God. I was you, literally you just going to bring know that up. what we're going to say. I was just 
making that up. That's a hard no. Like, how do you shit? I'm not even even gonna do an episode. I'm not even, yeah. Don't even ask us. There's no fiber, no probiotics, prebiotics, phytochemicals. Like, literally, you're gonna sit on the toilet for 15 hours. Yeah. So, vegetables are carbohydrates, guys. Okay, keep that in mind. So, you gotta get your vegetables in, and you have a very small window. That's what I would do. I would definitely go to my non starchy vegetables. So, just to kind of define what that means, starchy vegetables are the ones that contain, well, starch, a carbohydrate. So, that would be your potato, sweet potato, squash can be like winter squash, corn, beans. Am I forgetting anything? Um, no, those are the main ones, like winter squash and things right. like beets could maybe be considered more carby, but honestly, like I wouldn't worry too much right. about beets. Same with carrot, any like root type vegetables. Yeah. And those are such carby. smaller amounts, uh, yeah. so, but those are your starchy vegetables. Anything else would be considered non-starchy. So like tomatoes and spinach and asparagus, my personal favorite onions, whatever, you know, all of that stuff would be non-starchy. Broccoli, so, cucumbers, onion, yeah, like, yum. all the other things. All that yeah. stuff is so delicious so good. and also hydrating when you're in a state that you need more electrolytes and fluids which those will contain as well. Um, so you would want to get most of your carbohydrates coming from non-starchy vegetables. And I would even throw a little bit of fruit in there because another thing is that one of the impacts of a ketogenic diet long-term is that nutrient deficiencies are also a potential side effect. So things that are often found in your vegetables and fruits like vitamin K, which is really important for blood clotting, um, which is also if you are on any blood clotting medications, you should also speak with your doctor as well, Um, like vitamin C and vitamin A, which are found in those fruits and vegetables. So you want to get those as much as possible. Right. Also the vitamins and minerals that would be normally found in your whole grain products, right? All those starchy products that you're not getting vitamins and all that good stuff that would be a big a big one and fiber is just it really kind of comes up for me that's a big one for me because I naturally kind of lean towards like gut health and like you know I'm very like pro gut health and the gut microbiota and you know those those bacteria living inside of us they need fiber like they really do. do and you know they need prebiotics which is their food which is fiber and you're really cutting out a lot of high fiber foods here, right? Your beans, your legumes, your whole grains. You still have fruits and vegetables, but you're so limited. Absolutely. That that would honestly be one of my main concerns here. Same. Um, so yeah, that would be a big one. So per the research, the weight loss is likely. If you're going to be doing a ketogenic diet, the weight loss is likely. And again, like we said, this could be due to the fact that you're in a caloric deficit, but more research is really needed to know if it's, you know, what's, what's pointing to that. But ketones also do suppress appetite, which is a very interesting little factoid there. Um, and also all low carbohydrate diets will result in more muscle loss than diets that have balanced macronutrients, like your protein, carbohydrate, and fat. And also the carbohydrates when you're consuming them. I don't know why I'm mentioning this right now. I think I'm just thinking about to Cal Poly when I did my senior project and getting excited. All carbohydrates um, when consumed post-workout will enhance protein uptake. Right. So, I mean, just something to consider. Um, yeah. If you're on the keto diet, I guess that's you know relevant because you're not gonna you're not gonna have that. But if you're still consuming moderate protein and it's at a you know the correct proportion that you need to maintain your lean muscle mass, you should not be breaking down muscle at the right caloric set point as well. So, just interesting interesting stuff to note there. Um, they also found that the long-term weight loss outcomes are not greater with keto diets compared to other types of diets. So it's there's similar outcomes there, which I mean, I think that's pretty interesting. Just yeah. good to note because I think sometimes we get so excited about a certain diet and we're like, this is the one, you know, and a lot of the time I think I've done low carb before. You know, I can definitely say I've played around with that for a yeah, while same. Um, in the past for sure. And I think 
a lot of the reason is, um, is that carbohydrates will also ferment in the gut. So often that will cause like bloating, gas, diarrhea, all that fun stuff. Um, but you know, sometimes that makes us look a little bit more bloated, especially if you're someone who has IBS or other digestive issues, um, that can make you feel a little bit more bloated as well. So, right. But a little bit of bloating sometimes and a little bit of gas is completely normal and totally offside, you know, something Actually, that's just going to happen from your healthy bacteria. Right. Like if you eating. don't fart, I'm genuinely concerned about you. Everybody fucking farts. Yeah. Did I just tell people that period. I fart? I mean, I fart. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you don't fart, please go see your PCP right now. We both fart. We're <laughs> farting right now. You so. guys fart too. So <laughs> we're farting right now. Wait this second. Wait this second. We've just been dropping silent bombs Should this we change time. our name to the farty dietitian? I got to go open the window. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we talk about when we're alone. Yeah. I mean, if you're no a dietitian, joke. you love poop jokes. And I farting. love poop. I love pooping. <laughs> I love talking about poop. So do I. I am... I, there's no I filter love here. Digestive hell. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I love your guts. The flourishing gut. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I know. Hey, exactly. That's totally your realm. Yes. Yeah. Poop so is my realm. Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> but yeah, we want to feed those bugs. So you know that fiber and that bloating probably definitely gonna uh, subside a little bit when you do go keto. If you do Absolutely. go keto, but remember, those bugs need food. Yeah, exactly. And they will eat the fat because there's some that you know they can process that, but research shows that the ones that are quote unquote good, and this is a very nuanced topic and I'm not getting into this, but just really briefly here, the ones that are quote unquote good need max, which are microbial accessible carbohydrates. So carbohydrates, <laughs> right? So yeah, anyway, I could go on a tangent. This can be a about whole that. Topic. Oh God, girl, I could talk about it's that for hours. The whole yes. microbiome is a very fascinating topic in and of itself. It's it crazy. is, and nothing, nothing. You know, We're just anything. scratching the surface. Just at the surface. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, when you think about it, like, even with day, nutrition like, in general, we are oh, bitching at the surface. Like, we are where surgery was in like the mid 1700s. Absolutely. Well, if you look back and you like think of like, I mean, even like the keto diet was be, being used in the 1920s, like, that's like not that long ago, really, right. when you think about things, you know, like that, that really trips me out. Yeah, I know. It's all, it's all crazy. It's all mind blowing. And it's crazy it's all, that we do know so much, but right. yet we don't know any, like, right. I mean, it's not that we don't know anything, but it's almost one of those situations where it's like the more you know, the less you know. Exactly. The more we find out, the more we realize we don't what know. We shit. don't know. Yeah, right. There's it's so not until much we do we don't this understand. research that we that we start to understand. Like, oh, okay. Well, there's a lot of yeah, exactly. More nuanced ways that these microbiota work together, and you know, right. just things like that with literally everything. With so. everything, yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, we wanted to point out that another thing that you know you can find some research on when it comes to the keto diet is that there is an impact on hemoglobin A1C. And so for those of you who don't know what that is, that just measures, that's a long-term snapshot of blood sugar control over about two to three month period. And it measures the amount of glucose that's attached to your hemoglobin that flows through your blood. Um, so if we have a higher percentage here, that means there's poor blood glucose control. And if we have a lower number, that means that we have more favorable blood glucose control. So, um, the keto diet did show improved outcomes when it came to hemoglobin A1C scores at six months. However, at over a year of starting the diet, the hemoglobin A1C levels were similar to the other compared diet, which they were comparing it to, which was the high carb, low fat diet. So that's actually really interesting, especially when you're looking at something like blood sugar control. Um, both a 
the uh, ketogenic diet can improve insulin sensitivity, some of the research is finding, as well as a higher carb diet coming from mostly plant-based carbohydrates. So that's actually really interesting to consider the fact that there's research showing that a very low carb diet can improve insulin sensitivity, as well as a higher carbohydrate diet. But again, that is due to the fact that these are uh, high quality carbohydrates, like you know, More legumes and yeah, yeah exactly. Have a lot of other fruits like, and fiber vegetables. is a really big one. I just Absolutely. keep coming back to the and fiber. fiber is, is great for blood sugar control as well. And I think that's hundred percent, you know, hundred percent. So it just kind of brings, this goes back to our original point of like, a, you know, is this sustainable for you, right? For you, it really matters about you and your life and your lifestyle and what is going to work for you. Like if you're going to eat high fat for the rest of your life, go for it, I guess, you know, but if you're not and you love carbohydrates and you're concerned about your gut health, then I would probably say choose something with a little bit more carbohydrates and fiber. And if you're concerned about your insulin sensitivity, maybe the higher carbohydrate diet is the way to go, you know, and I'm sure the same goes for weight loss. As long as you're in that, you know, a calorie deficit and a lot of other things are looked at, you can still achieve these outcomes. So Absolutely. this is all just That's super a really interesting great thing to note as well. Yeah. yeah. You don't, it doesn't, you don't have to go to I'm going to say it, extreme measures to, <laughs> to, I would consider this pretty extreme. I'm yeah, not definitely speaking with a negative connotation, but for me, it would be extreme because I eat a lot of carbohydrates throughout the day. Um, so it would be a huge, huge change for me, but you I don't, for most to, people, this would be a huge change. I think yeah, so too, to, to go diet. from yeah. I mean, 50 for, to 65% carbs to less than 10. That's pretty yeah. rough. Yeah, it, it's going to be, that's that's a massive change. It yeah. really is. Like you're going to notice a difference. Right. You're going to have to actually try to eat a certain way, first of all. Mm-hmm. And you are going to have those symptoms. They're going to come up for, almost everybody is going to experience the quote unquote keto flu, right? Like this right. is just a natural physiological process that's going to happen right. from the lack of glucose coming Absolutely. in. Like, And if you're not someone that, you know, can, is like consistently, which I wouldn't recommend, but who's consistently logging your food intake and looking at your different macronutrient composition of what you're consuming throughout the day. Like, Oh, I had, you know, 20% uh, protein and, you know, 50% carbs, la da da da. If you're not doing that, and then all of a sudden you're doing that and you're measuring your tomato slices, that's quite a change. Right. So exactly. there's going to be, you know, you're going to be taking your, your scale to, you know, BJ's or in and out <laughs> we're in California. So excuse my references, uh, Shake Shack or wherever you're going, you're going to be taking your scale there and you're going to be measuring, you know, how many grams of this hamburger patty and, and you know, whatever. So yeah, it's going to be a, a lot change. of work. It's going to be a, a change lot of work. for sure. Yeah. So. Um, and then another thing to consider when it comes to the keto diet is that there's not really any long-term studies. So when it comes to our long-term knowledge on the health outcomes of being in a prolonged state of ketosis, we don't really know what that looks like. So most of it is looking at anywhere from like three weeks. Natalie found some really interesting research, three weeks to like six months to a year. Months. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they'll do a follow-up at, an, at like another six months. So it was like a yeah. 12 month full on period. Mm-hmm. But you guys, 12 months is not very much time. If you think about somebody's life, right? We're right. talking about decades and decades of somebody's life and we're reducing it down to 12 months and right. saying that this is what happens when we sustain this type of eating. But we can't say that. We just, we, I mean, we can in, in the realm of research, right? But we, we can't really extrapolate that out and say that that's what's going to occur five years down the road and 10 years down the road, right? Again, it's something that if you do want to draw conclusions like that, you're going to have to it would you would have to be on that diet for that period of time, which again is not recommended. But it would be interesting to see like someone who does 
uh, you know, go on the keto diet intermittently throughout the year over a 10 year period and then see what that does. But I think in the general population, like we were talking about earlier, that that's not that common. So, and again, some of those dieters may be trying other diets like the carnivore diet or, you know, something else. Uh, so it's really, it's really interesting to kind of consider consider that aspect. Also, it's just interesting to note that there is research showing that those that do yo-yo dieting have more negative health consequences and a higher rate of mortality than those who are just a little bit above the recommended BMI point. Right. Just but an are interesting consistent. thing to note. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That are, that are have still continue with their health promoting behaviors, still get exercise throughout the day, you know, things like that. Right. Yeah. Consistency is so big. And I think that a lot of people struggle with that with anything that they're doing in terms of trying to make changes to their lifestyle, you know, trying to incorporate more healthy habits, whether it's you're starting, you're trying to eat more vegetables or more fruit, or you're trying to include more activity. Like it's great if you start off um, with a bang on Monday and you get in 45 minutes of hit. And then on Tuesday, you do it again. And then Wednesday, you do it again. And Thursday, you hit a wall and you're like, this is just way too much. This is crazy. I'm exhausted. I can't do this. And you just, and you quit, you know, like that, it would be better if you went on a 10 minute walk every single day consistently than, than did the hit for 45 minutes a day for four days out of the week. And then just totally threw in the towel and just ate whatever you want and sat on your butt for the next three weeks until you hit another wall. And you were like, I can't do this anymore. I got to start something. I'm starting on Monday that whole yo-yo thing that Christina just mentioned, it's real and it's not good for you. It's not good for you. Absolutely. Consistency is key. And that's why at the end of the day, we really just recommend, I mean, at least I recommend, you know, doing something that you can do consistently. And like Natalie said, it doesn't have to be the craziest hit workout. Like, especially if you're like newly creating goals when it comes to your health, you know, we had to learn. I know every dietitian out there. Hey guys, um, anyone that's listening had to learn about SMART goals. So when you're setting goals, you want them to be, you know, SMART is the acronym. So specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. So think of things like that. So like, instead of being like, oh, this week I'm going to exercise more. That's my goal. Well, what does that mean? Like, yeah, like, what does that mean? Like, are you you actually going to do do? (laughs) 12 CrossFit classes or are you going to like literally go for a walk like twice a week? You know what I mean? So be specific, be like, you know, for this next following week, my goal is to go on a 30 minute walk. Well, how, how many days a week? Five days a week. Is that realistic? Maybe, maybe not because I'm really busy and I don't know if that's actually something that I'm going to stick to. So I'm going to start with three days a week, 30 Mm -hmm. minute walk, three days a week for one week see how I do. And then if you do do that, you also, there's a psychological impact of being like, wow, I just accomplished that. Like, I feel incredible. I feel stoked and I feel happy for myself that I stuck to a goal. You know, you did something that was realistic. So you did stick to it. And then when the following week comes and you're assessing your goals, you can up it a little bit. You can say, I'm going to do 45 minutes, three days a week, or I'm going to do four days a week for 30 minutes, you know? And so just having that consistency over a period of time, that really, really, really shows and can improve your health outcomes. Absolutely. And that same concept can be applied to your dietary patterns. Like you don't have to just wake up on Monday and say, I'm going to go full keto because I need to lose 35 pounds, right? You can just say, um, I'm going to add in another serving of fruits and vegetables three days a week this week, and then do that. Set yourself up for success. You don't have to make super drastic changes to get results and to have these changes in your life become permanent and you will see the benefits, but it's going to take time. You have to be patient and it's not going to be 
you don't trust me. You're not going to want rapid weight loss because it's not going to, it's not going to sustain. It's not going to last. It's, it's not going to last. Mostly and water gonna, weight. And you're going to gain it all back, especially with keto. It's mostly water weight because you're not having those carbohydrates coming in. Your glycogen stores are being depleted. And guess what glycogen gets stored with? Water. So you're losing a bunch of water weight. Initially, you will eventually lose actual fat if you stick to the keto diet mm-hmm. as well as mm-hmm. other diets. Okay. You will lose fat. It's not like it's only water weight. But especially with these very low carbohydrate diets, that is what is happening in the beginning, like that for cu- first couple of weeks, especially the first week, any weight that you lose that first week, it's not fat. Okay. It's water weight. Um, and as soon as you do start consuming carbohydrates again, I hate to tell you this, but you are going to gain a, like a couple pounds maybe. And that is from your glycogen stores being repleted right. <laughs> and you're gaining that glycogen back, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just something to kind of be aware of. You might kind of feel almost like bloaty. I've, I've had people tell me that that's like kind of what it seems like, like, right. Oh, I went on this low carbohydrate diet to cut for some event. Like maybe they got married or something and they just really wanted to look super good on their wedding day, which I get, I totally get it. Right. Mm-hmm. But then your wedding day is over. You start eating carbs again, like, a norm, you know, a normal human who likes to eat carbs and you know, you maybe puff out a little bit or whatever. Right. You're on your honeymoon yeah. and you're like, Ooh, girl. Ooh, um, <laughs> well, luckily your hubby loves you anyway. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> just love your, love yourself and he's going to love you too. Amen, sister. Or she, if you married yeah, a woman. whoever. Whoever you married. Or hubby, they, wifey, whoever. They, yeah, they, them, whoever. <laughs> All of it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Um, also, I just wanted to share a little fun fact with you guys. So in rare instances, people on the keto diet will breathe a false positive on an alcohol breath test. And that's because acetone, which is one of the uh, ketone bodies that's created on the keto diet, will sometimes break down into isopropanol, which is also known as isopropyl alcohol, which is the main active ingredient in rubbing alcohol. So so you, interesting. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> yeah. So that's why sometimes people that have a lot of uh, ketones or that are in an acidotic state um, will smell, have kind of a f- acetone uh, scent that comes off of their breath or like a fruity scent. Um, and if, you know, my gals out there that get your nails done or, you know, use nail polish remover, you know what acetone smells like. So that's an interesting chemical that you're going to smell off of your breath in some instances. Um, so yeah, just really interesting. And also we can talk about ketoacidosis a little bit, because I think that this might be an interesting topic, um, to talk about a little bit, but the body basically has a when you go back to your science classes and you think about the pH scale, right? You know, you have your acids and you have your bases. Well, the body also works with the pH scale as well. So the body generally wants to maintain a homeostasis and a neutral pH of around 7.35 to 7.45. So in individuals that have issues with, you know, their hormones, specifically insulin, um, as with type one diabetes, where no insulin is being produced in the pancreas, Sometimes those ketone bodies can increase at a rapid at a rapid rate, and this causes the body to become acidotic. You know, it's getting acidic from those acidic ketone bodies, and this is a really big issue. So you'll see this sometimes with diabetic ketoacidosis. You'll have patients coming in the hospital with this. It's a very big issue. Um, it's very serious. Like it's a, it can be deadly. pH needs to stay at that level. It like needs to. If it drops, which is acidosis, it's going lower. You need to go to the hospital. Like you need to take that person to the hospital. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, just not to get off topic, but again, I digress. Um, you know, sometimes people will ask me questions about the pH diet or alkaline water and things like that, and they say they want to, you know, be alkaline and eat alkaline foods like fruits and vegetables. Put lemon in your water. 
Lemon is an acidic food. It's not alkaline just because it's a fruit and vegetable. And also anything that you consume is not going to affect the P- your blood pH or the pH of your body or else I mean, you would be dead. Consider the fact that when you eat something, it has to pass through your esophagus and enter your stomach where there is a load of hydrochloric acid. Exactly. So one of the most acidic <laughs> things. I don't her. think the lemon juice that you're going to eat is going to sneak past that and then just all of a sudden just be like, poof, acidic. Right, exactly. Or alkaline, like, right. you know. And if you were... If you were truly alkaline, your pH was at an alkaline pH level, you would be very ill. You would if be not very dead. Ill. You oh, would be yeah. dead. You can actually. die from ketoacidosis if right. you don't get treatment. And same with, the, you can die from alkalosis, alkalosis as well, exactly. which is having too much alkaline in your blood. Exactly. So, and this is not going to occur in the common individual. Again, right. if you're not someone who has issues with um, insulin regulation or hormone regulation, it's extremely rare for someone without those types of health issues to go into um, ketoacidosis. There was one instance in a lactating woman that I actually was looking up, which I found really interesting. And it was probably due to the high energy needs of milk production, but it was, she just wasn't eating enough. Yeah. So it usually happens. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Like, so obviously for somebody who has diabetes, like they're experiencing a low, right? Like low, right. low blood sugar. And they right. just, for some reason are not aware of it. Like they're sleeping or they right. just don't notice the symptoms and it persists for too long. They're going to enter that. They can then enter keto, diabetic ketoacidosis from exactly. the body saying, Hey, there's no glucose. We need to produce keto- ketones. Right. And then the liver pumps out ketones to compensate for the super low levels of glucose in the blood. And that is what actually and there's set no, them into Exactly. There's doses. no insulin or carbohydrate to regulate anything right. here. So it's a huge, huge, huge issue. But in individuals that don't have issues with, you know, their insulin regulation, that's not super right. common. You're not going to get this from just going on the keto diet. First right. of all, you'd have to be eating extremely low carbohydrates, which again, we mentioned in the beginning, a lot of people aren't really actually even hitting the true keto marks. Um, and if you are someone who has done that and has, good for you because that actually takes a lot of attention. Um, some people even have their ketones like measured. So right. it, it's a pretty intensive like way of eating if you're trying to actually be in ketosis. But um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's really fascinating, isn't it? I think it there's is. just so much to say on this topic. There's, you know, a good amount of research that is coming out and, you know, it's just, it's fascinating to look at. So, I mean... Obviously, again, speak with your physician and your registered dietitian if you have one, if you're deciding to try the keto diet or any diet. Um, If you're doing a super low carbohydrate diet or a ketogenic diet, it wouldn't be a good idea if you're someone that already has very high triglycerides or if you have a history of acute pancreatitis or if you are also someone that has a family history of high cholesterol, it might not be a good idea as well because sometimes there are genetic factors that can contribute to higher cholesterol. And then if you're already exacerbating it with the diets, not the best. Um, and again, if you're a lactating woman as well, you know, probably best to consult with your doctor. It's probably not best to go on a diet during a period of time where you have high energy needs like that anyway. Um, but yeah, speak with your physician. Um, and again, there's different considerations, different chronic illnesses that would not be, you know, ideal for someone to, you know, have and to try the keto diet with. Um, and then certain medications would need to be altered as well. So the bottom line, what would you say, Natalie? I mean, I think, I think I'm predictable in this <laughs> from <laughs> what I've said throughout the entire episode. But the bottom line for me personally is I'm always, always, always going to come back to sustainability, but I'm also always, always, always here to support the individual. So like 
if somebody came to me and really wanted to try the ketogenic diet, I would support them in whatever way I can, like obviously referring them to a dietitian and telling, you know, giving them a little bit of background of like what's going to happen, what do they need to do in order to achieve ketosis, which is the whole point of being on the ketogenic diet, what types of symptoms should they expect, are they going to go away? you know, and what is their goal with going on the ketogenic diet? I mean, usually it's weight loss, but I mean, it could be some other goal, right? So it's highly individual. Um, but I would say that sustainability for me, it's always going to come back to that and also the lack of fiber. So again, I'm huge, huge advocate for gut health. I'm a huge advocate for the gut microbiota and feeding it the things that it needs to thrive because we are learning more and more every day about how much of a pivotal role that it plays in our overall health and well-being um, and many, many different ways. So for me, it's really hard to um, advise or, you know, tell somebody to cut fiber out of their diet so uh, intensely and so drastically. Um, But again, it's, it's individual. And I think that if someone really wants to try it, they, there is a right way to do it and a safe way to do it. Um, but there are so many other ways to achieve weight loss and a lot of these other outcomes, like we've mentioned, that do include higher fiber and do include you know foods that maybe you enjoy. And I also hate telling people to cut out anything from their life that they find joy in. Um, I usually am more of a add it to your regimen type of person, right? So let, let's add more fruits, let's add more veggies, let's add more you know movement that you enjoy doing. So. I think for the bottom line, that would be what I would, that's where I stand. But mm-hmm. what's your bottom line, Christine? I, I think you took the words right out of my mouth, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with every single point there, the fiber. And it's just for me, it really comes back to, again, you said it, it's really hard for me to encourage someone to do something like this when I can zoom out a bit and see that it might be taking away from other aspects of their life, like I mentioned earlier, because health is not just physical, you know, it's not Absolutely. just weight loss, but right. And at the end of the day, look at looking at their lab work, seeing, you know, how are things looking, adjusting, you know, troubleshooting as needed. But um, yeah, I, I would have to agree with everything that you said there. Absolutely. Sa- sustainability is number one. Yeah, 100%. Cool guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our second episode. We're so happy that episode number two showed up. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you guys so much. And again, if you guys have any questions that you want to send to us, um, we set up our new email, the Crunchy Dietitians. Keep the tit in dietitian. There's T I T, not dietitian with a C. So (laughs) just email us at the Crunchy Dietitians or you can follow us and DM us your questions. Um, The Flourishing Gut is Natalie's um, Instagram handle and mine is My Seasoned Soul. Yes. And we will link all of that in the show notes as well as the articles that we've referenced. Um, So if you are into research and you want to take a closer look at that, check out the show notes for that information. And uh, with that, we will see you for episode number three in a couple weeks. So exciting. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. content discussed within this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding any changes to your dietary pattern, a medical condition, or your overall health and well-being.